Hello, Happy New Year. Welcome to True Cult Pop episode number 65. It's me, Stephen Hill, back welcoming you to another year, 2024. I can't believe it's 2024. It's mad. Uh, to be fair, I haven't been able to believe that it... I didn't believe it was 2007. So, of course, I don't believe it's 2024. I'm here with my main man, me checking it, me rocking it, me sticking it, me flicking it, me Julie. See, that's from the 2000s, that's from the 90s, 2000s. Anyway, Sam, Sam Slight's here with me. How you doing, Sam? Happy New Year, mate. You all right? Happy New Year. I'm well, thank you. I'm glad to be uh, filling in for the inimitable Gaz Jones, who's off poorly. So He is, isn't he? He sounds He's really got... ill, to so... be fair. <laughs> Look, if you're listening to this, Gaz, really which Ill. you probably won't be, given the reason that you're off ill, I hope you're feeling a bit better, mate. Yeah, Gaz is fucking ill. Yeah. He's not ill like, you know, when I go... <laughs> Oh, I'm a bit ill and my throat's a bit raspy. Mm. Gaz is like, I can't see. <laughs> I can't we stand up laugh. or listen to anything. We shouldn't laugh. But he's like, mate, I think I'm going to die. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm confident he won't, no. hence why I'm making light of a situation. Of but get well soon, Gaz. I'll see you next week. We were going to do a big catch up, me and Gaz, of uh, a bunch of stuff that came out in 2023, which we hadn't got around to listening to. Thank you very much if you suggested anything. We got a bunch of records, heard some really good stuff, actually. Um, uh, but Sam stepping at the last minute, quite a lot to get you to listen to twelve albums in a sort of eighteen-hour period, really, wasn't it? So yeah. we just decided to do something else. Do something fun. Do something Ease fun. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at a month in music, and we're gonna look. We're gonna go back twenty-three years to January of 1991. We're going to see what's happening in the world of music and other things. I've got other things as well. In January 1991, there is a particular reason why we've picked that month or that year, I should say. We picked picked January because it is currently January, as you know. But we'll be talking about that and going through loads of little things, some of them funny, some of them interesting, some of them tragic. It's just a little look back at what was happening in the world in 1991. And if you um, haven't been catching up what we've been doing, uh, True Crap Pop, we did a True Cliff Pop, which is, so we got a spin-off, True Crap Pop, and that's now got a spin-off, True Cliff Pop, yep. one episode a year, me and Sam going through Cliff Richard's <laughs> entire discography, start, yeah. <laughs> starting, starting from 2022, <laughs> only any post-2022 Cliff Richard's material, that is the best stuff. Yeah. That is yeah, the best yeah, stuff. Yeah. So uh, like we talked about left. Cliff. He's getting better in his, yeah. his twilight years. Yeah. <laughs> he is just like that. He's uh, He certainly did get better than he was this time last year with Cliff with Strings. Yeah, bad. Which bad. I thought was a fun episode. That yeah, was fun. Although I think we had more fun on the latest one, didn't we? Discovering uh, the, the other element of the love triangle. I'm not going to say Lance Tankard. Oh, you've said it now. You have to say. If you haven't listened to that, you can probably go in about an hour and yeah. just listen to... Uh, Lance Tankard and uh, the life and times of Lance Tankard, policeman, landscape gardener, extra pirate, uh, partner to <laughs> Sue, not Sue Lawley, Sue Barker, yeah. and yes, like you say, pirate mm. potentially. We don't know. We haven't had the full facts back yet. But yeah, that was a, that was that was good. That was good. Fun. Um, if you go over to, to patreon.com forward slash True Cult Pop and you'd like to sign up, we're going to be kicking off the new year with a fair few new patron specials on some pretty good albums mm. coming this saturday tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out you can sign up and listen to me and sam talk about long live by the chariot 
the mad hardcore band. Disappointing. I know you are. You won't be when you've listened to that. What an album. Ooh. Spoiler. Good album. Mm. That is a good album. The Chariot are weird. Yes. They're a weird band. <laughs> Definitely. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? And <clears throat> coming as soon as Gaz gets better. It's supposed to be coming Wednesday. Might end up being Thursday or something like that. Not sure yet. Depends on Gaz are getting better. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure you don't want to step in for this one, mate. We're doing Dookie by Green Day. Uh, mean, Green Day, of course. To be, fair, yeah. to be fair, if Gaz isn't better, I'll happily come in and chat about that. Okay, but obviously, it, it's no, I'm sure he'd like his to do choice, that. So. so yeah, he can go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. So we'll, we'll be, if you sign up for the £5 tier, we can be going in on Dookie by Green Day. Green Day, of course, now are anti. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're political now, aren't yeah, they? Pathetic. That's just happened in the last week. Mm. The American Idiot, a song which previously was not definitely not about the second a lot of things tying in the second iraq mm, war mm. we're going to be talking about the first one we talked about 1991 that was that american idiot wasn't about that no it was about somebody who was just a bit daft we don't know, do we? just daft, just a daft idiot yeah. really Likes american things. yeah so that was mad wasn't it the, the whole green day thing yeah who would have thought eh what they next like Donald Trump. rage against the so machine they must, they, oh god I know, yeah, yeah. For now, it, what next? The MC five. Oh, I see the MC five have gone all political. <laughs> I see the clash. What? I don't like Conservative Party. Oh, Public Enemy. When did you start piping up <laughs> with your political opinions? So weird, so weird. And when people go, "Oh yeah, they're establishment now," it's like I don't think just not liking Donald Trump makes you part of the establishment. I'm sure the Pentagon and the White House and every band go. You should probably drink water. Have a glass of water just to make you just to sort of flush your system mm. out. Oh, you fucking gone woke on yeah. agreeing with the man, are you, by saying you should drink water? No, no. I mean, it's absolutely mental. I fall on the absolutely side, absolutely mental, flooding rivers with feces. That's not <laughs> yeah, work, is definitely. it? That's what we're doing here. No, it is. Love that for me. Uh, just yeah. on the subject of Green Day, very quickly, uh, mate of mine mm? sent me an image earlier of uh, a uh, Gilman Street poster that was Green Day supporting Neurosis. Yeah, that would have happened. That would have definitely. been a very interesting show. Mm-hmm. It certainly would have done. Mm. And then they got banned, didn't they? Yeah. Barred. Because they Get were out of Gilman too Street. fucking left wing, weren't they? That was their problem. <laughs> well, nah. Oh, no, were, it's, uh, it's the other thing. It's yeah. The, yeah, it's the signing to a major. That'll be it. was more of the problem. But anyway, yeah, we'll be going into that. Mm. Green Day getting banned from Gilman Street. Mm. I mean, it's just, you know, the story of Dookie has been told a fair bit over the years it's a big one sure, this. Sure. so we'll try and you know skirt over the stuff that you do know and get into some of the stuff that maybe you don't know which i think there is a little bit mm. over there but anyway there you go patreon.com forward slash true cop pop if you want to sign up for that probably won't talk too much about green day <laughs> green day have got to a point you know when rock bands when they start to look like your nan <laughs> yes like the who roger dolce's looked like a nan mm-hmm. for a long time elton john's looked like a nan for a long time Axel rose paul mccartney and yeah rod stewart they got quite nan vibes. Fucking Green Day looking like your nan. Yeah. That does make me feel old, I've got to say. <laughs> Actually feel really Not old. Not long for you. Anyway. You'll be getting your blue rinse next week. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely look forward to it. Um, right, let's kick off the new year with a little earworm, a little song that we've been listening to this week. Sam, I'm going to let you go first because I have rhyme and reason behind mine, which I want to pathetically describe in unbelievable detail i am going to take a guess as to why you've chosen yours when we get to it but yeah go on very kind okay. of you to start with mine um so a no song a song that's been stuck in my head uh it's probably been about three months now um 
or whenever they got announced for All Points East, anyway. Uh, it's Daft Punk is Playing at My House by LCD Sound System, who are a band who really I've only been kind of getting into the last, I'd say, maybe 18 months. I remember you brought in North mm-hmm. American Scum way back when as an earworm mm-hmm. of the week. Uh, and yeah, yep. they continue to be absolutely brilliant. I actually think this works quite well as a kind of accompaniment to your song, which we'll get to. I won't spoil the surprise for It everyone. does a bit, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I think this obviously has got LCD sound systems really, really kind of uber cool, almost slightly arch, but ironically so, so they can kind of get away with it, indie bent on the kind of sophisti-pop thing that I know you're a fan mm-hmm. of. Um, I love James Murphy's vocal performance on it in particular because the title of it in and of itself does strike me as him kind of railing against the the hipster crowd of Brooklyn that helped him make his career essentially because Daft Punk's playing in my house sounds like the kind of bullshit lie you tell to someone in a bar when you're trying to talk about the industry connections you've got. You'd be like, oh yeah, you you know, I don't know, X-Band or whatever, Daft Punk's playing at my house. And he manages to go between that kind of yeah, really quite cool and arch and quite reserved and then a little bit of swivel-eyed madness where it's like, oh shit, the lie's getting out of hand because it's come true. That in itself, I think, is brilliant, let alone all of the hooks that are just thrown into it. The fact that it starts, well, the first verse is just hand claps and really sparse percussion with that dubby bass line and it builds and builds and builds as the you know, kind of madness ensues to the point where it's got everybody's PA in my house, my house, all the robots descend from the bus and it's like, oh, fuck. They're here now. There's a freak out brewing in my house. It's excellent. Um, I think as a kind of an opening statement, because it's the first song on the debut, the self-titled mm-hmm. debut from LCD mm-hmm. Sound System, I can't think of a much better start for a band like this. It's got a little bit of everything you would want from them, apart from maybe some of the darker side of their material. But yeah, it's a great one. I know you're a fan, Steve. Oh, mate, I love LCD Sound System. Mm. I really do love LCD Sound System. And just as an as an aside, that All Points East lineup, oh, uh, which is God. Friday the 23rd of August 2024, the same day as Blink-182 and The Prodigy play Reading. One of those things is slightly more interesting to me than the other, I have to be mm. honest. But LCD Sound System play, yeah, wherever it is. Uh, uh, Victoria Park, it? isn't it? The Victoria Park, London. that's right, yeah. yeah. Not Vicky in Park in Leicester, which I think would be a no. lot better for me. It would. It's about 15 minutes but, from my house. My house. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's LC Sound System, J. Paul, the Pixies. Oh. The Pixies in LC Sound System. Oh. Lovely that's, stuff. That's enough. That'll be, that'll be good for a lot of people who could say, yeah, I remember their early stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really will. It really will. Floating Points, I'd like to see as well. Jockstrap, Jock quite like that. I'd be Jock very, very keen to see Jockstrap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the other stage, you've got Nation of Language, who made oh. my top 10. Oh, actually, I didn't put it in 10. It would have been 10. Yeah. It would have got in my top 10 albums of last year. I love that. I know you weren't as mad on that. wasn't as, as keen as the two of you, but I did still really enjoy it. Um, I think... Yeah, it's I think, good. Uh, I would say you'd mischaracterised me between you and Gaz, but you weren't wrong when you were saying, oh, it's just a bit too nice. I think that is the problem. Mm. I need more kind of a, yeah, scratchy kind of um, nasty harmonic feedback. Yeah, you've also got Sophia Cortese's live, apparently. Uh, I Dress and Vagabond. I know the name Vagabond. I'm not sure if I listened to it, but overall, I would definitely go to that. Mm. I would definitely go to that. Uh, yeah, I love this song, and I do really, really like those first few LCD Sound System albums. I think they're all really, really it's good. It's the first I mean, three, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, when did they put, like, American Dream from 2007... T- uh, 17 uh, yeah that was the comeback one 2017 it's sorry yeah it's not good, as good no. no i don't think so either um i know a lot of people would say that you know this is happening is the best one sound of silver I, for me 
Sound of Silver. Oh, absolutely. Probably why we get oh, I agree. I think Sound of Silver is fucking brilliant. But um, yeah, I mean, LCD Sound System were a band who I didn't pay loads of attention to. I mean, funnily enough, I sort of discovered them around the time of This Is Happening. Mm. And I heard that album and I was like, actually, this is really good. And then went back to the other two and I was like, oh, these two are even better. But yeah, like I really do like, in fact, I think if you go way, 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 way back, sort of mid-2018, when we did the electronic music section of the Venn diagram of Riot Act, oh, yes. I picked LCDA Sound System as one as my fifth choice, which I think maybe it's just because I like them so much. Mm. It's a bit of a bit of a mad choice, really. But I guess they're quite. Maybe that's a bit of a mad choice, but I think they're no. quite hard to pigeonhole, though. Really, LCD mm. Sound System because they are an electronic band, but they're also an indie rock band at the same time, and yet kind of bring so much into this uh, weird melting pot they've got. Anyway, I mean, I don't think it's a mad choice because at the end of the day, you're putting five artists in there, and you want to have a breadth of it. But let's not critique a nearly six-year-old podcast, anyway. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> Although. People do still remind me of stuff that like I said in 2012. Oh, right. Uh, I got you. <laughs> That's what society's like now, isn't yep. it? Um, but yeah, I really do. I, I love LCD Sound System. And I think it's funny, actually, because I, I mentioned this gig to uh, to Merlin Alderslade, who you heard at the end of the year when Sam did his top 20, came and did his top five albums of the year. And I was like, oh, yeah, LCD Sound System. And he was like, I hate them. I hate them and the Claxons and... What are the other bands from that sort of mid-2000s indie dance boom? The Claxons. I suppose they're a little bit uh, later, but like the XX, would you put them in there as well? A little bit. So they're but, a bit after. I mean, I didn't say Hurts, but probably Hurts mm. as well. I didn't say the Go Team, but I can't imagine you'd like the Go Team either. There's one, and they're Hadouken. Oh, kind of fucking hell, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was a gig I avoided. Yeah, I fucking, he's like, I fucking hate all that shit. And I was like... Elsie's sound system are clearly the best ones. I of them, aren't they? don't think that you can even have a conversation about their quality being no. head and shoulders above every other artist you've listed there. No, they're the best ones, aren't yeah. they? Definitely yeah. the best ones. Anyway, we've um, we've spoken about them a fair bit. LCA sound system. So did I just call them LCA sound system? I may well have done. I heard D, but we'll we'll leave it to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, great pick. I tell you what else is good, right? So last year. I believe I kicked off 2023 by telling you all to go and listen to Labour of Love by Hugh and Cry. <laughs> you did. And some of you did. And all of you who did came back and went, what an excellent song. What an excellent Is song. Is that true, Steve? Or are you just uh, using selective memory? Uh, yeah. I'm using selective memory. Yeah. But I also, I think I believe it as well. Well, that's good. This is my. I know at least yours. two people <laughs> who love that song. Cool. Now, right? I'm aware of at least two people okay. who are like, oh yeah. Someone else even went, oh, they played. I, I think they were like, oh, I work at a venue and they played recently and they're really nice. Huh. And I that counts. That counts. Yeah, I'll take as that. Loving, yeah, yeah. As loving their entire back catalogue. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what else can I bring in from that era, which is just as good? Now. I tell you what I did on New Year's Eve, Sam. I'll ask you what you did just out of politeness. This has got a purpose to it, but I will ask you out of politeness because I feel like I didn't really do that. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, well, I was working on New Year's Day, so I uh, went round my mum and stepdad's house with the missus and we watched Barbie with mum because I got her that on Blu-ray for, for Christmas and then just got home and fell asleep on the sofa. So Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect New Year's Eve. We went round my mate's house. I bought the Traitors board game, which started 
yesterday as we mm. record the traitors i'm quite excited about that uh so yeah we played uh we played the traitors and we put on gary davis's sounds of the 80s because right. you have to like put a blindfold on and then put music on it's almost a bit like fucking pass the parcel <laughs> put the blindfold on and someone's got to do something while you've got the blindfold on and my mate was cranking the music up and while <laughs> we had the blindfold on gary davis's new year's eve party sounds of the 80s had it doesn't have to be this way by the blow monkeys playing and I kept thinking, I just sit here with a blindfold on listening to this. To be honest. It's better than the game. Every time we turned it off, I went, ah. So this is the opening track of the London Sophisti Pops Cruise 1987 album. She was only the grocer's daughter. That's what the album's called, which is a reference to Margaret, you know Thatcher. This? Margaret mm. Thatcher, who they fucking hated. And rightly apparently. so. And rightly <laughs> so. Uh, peaked at number five on the UK singles chart. I should say, Dark Punk Play in My House. Only got to number 29 in the UK singles chart. So I think we know. who's better? Mm. You think we know? I think that's proof positive, yep. isn't it? Um, actually, it's not because we're going to get to the charts later. It's not. No. It's not. Um, yeah, and it was also used in the film Police Academy 4. And that was going to be my guess as to why this was in your head. I wondered if you'd been watching Police Academy 4 Citizens on Patrol over the, the Christmas break. No. <laughs> as is your want. No, no. No, 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 no. I hadn't. I do like uh, Dr. Robert's voice, mm. the man from the Blow Monkeys. It doesn't happen be this way. They don't, okay. make sm- they don't make smarmy, kind of blue-eyed soul white boy singers in the same way as they used to, I don't think. And he's got like this really... So- he's, he's, a smar- he's quite a smarmy man. Mm. If you've listened to a lot of the Blow Monkeys, he's got a, he's got a kind of and if you remember him from the time, I remember going, he's quite pleased with himself, <laughs> even as a young boy. But I used to really like I used to really like the Blow Monkeys. I had one of their it's not this song, but I had one of their seven inch singles mm. on seven, seven inch, inch single, yeah. uh, but I can't remember for the life of me which one of their songs it was. But I kind of went back. I was gonna maybe gonna pick that, but this came on. This is ultimately their their big hit i would say but it is just a really big right big banger in the sort of vein of hue and cry's labor of love which i so this is now a tradition (laughs) every year i'm going to bring in a very 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 cheesy very poppy silly 80s it's not even silly it's it's actually quite serious yeah i don't think this is silly and i'm glad you've brought up hue and cry already because that was the first thing i thought when i was listening to it i mean as it comes in with those kind of jangly slightly bouncy guitars i did think oh he's done this on purpose hasn't he i'll tell you what mm. mate this is fucking brilliant though i'd never heard of the, <laughs> never heard, good, i had never heard of the blow monkeys before i did think damn that's a bad name but this is this is excellent this this is mm. magnitudes better than labor of love by hue and cry for my money so let's hope you maybe get oh. 10 responses on twitter saying the same thing um yeah i think it's absolutely great i think smarmy is the right word for dr robert And I think that is the particular kind of through line between this song and LCD sound system, as well as that kind of sophisticated, well, sophisticated pop thing, even though LCD Mm. sound system do it in a more indie band. Um, It's great. I mean, who doesn't want some string and choral motifs underneath this massive sort of daft, unabashedly poppy pop tune? Uh, Yeah, well in on this, Steve. Well in on this. I actually listened to the rest of the album after this song, by the way. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, it, you? It dropped off, I'll be honest. But, you know, this it does drop a fucking off. banger, though. I mean, it has got a song. Oh, it's not on this album. One of their songs has got, like, the dodgiest song title. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've, I've ever heard. And it's you've got, listened to um, it, It's Yeah, it's, it's almost... Like, I don't even think I should say it on the show. Do you know Tell what I mean? Me it's, it's that. But it's from Whoops, There Goes the... Basically, it's from Whoops, There Goes the Nate... <laughs> Fucking hell. 
Yeah, it's re- it's unbelievable. It's from Whoopsie Track Seven on Whoopsie Goes the Neighborhood. Just pause the podcast for a second. I'm gonna have a and look, look at that song title. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll do it live. So you do this. You listen. Sam's gonna do it right now. I don't feel comfortable saying that <laughs> song title on on the podcast. Oh dear. Particularly, oh dear. you know, knowing who I know and all these kind of no dear. well i'll tell you what why don't you give me your take because this is taking forever give me your take on the greatness of this song steve please oh i just think it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it's just got like Ooh. yeah like you say it's just oh dear <laughs> In the song i know oh, dearie, i know no. right fucking hell you can't say that you can't say that <laughs> you can't you mean uh, you can't Jesus. say that you can't say that can you no blimey Anyway, <laughs> that's when I got into him as well. Oh no, was that the seven inch you had? And they turned and they. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That wasn't the seven inch uh, that I got. Anyway, um, but yeah, I like the Blair Monkeys, and obviously this was their big song, and they've just they just something like it's so unbelievably OTT. Mm. But it's not. You know, when we talk about OTT pop music now, like I don't know, Hundred Gex yeah. or Charlie XX or something like that, when you go like, wow, it's so fucking big, and like this is just so. You listen to it and you go. This could never have been cool. No. Could never, ever, ever have been cool. This isn't like Frankie Goes to Hollywood or something. I mean, this is like, you know, nerds in suits <laughs> playing at being at being cool. Or Akakoka. Akakoka, yeah. definitely, yeah. I mean, I think even Akakoka are cooler than yeah. the Blow Monkeys, I would, I would say, <laughs> Probably, right? Yeah. But it's just so good. It's just mm. really great. I mean, all that stuff that we've mentioned, I'd put it in league with, you know, let's say Hue and Cry, level 42, mm. that kind of thing, right? Like, this is not cool in any way. Again, it's not cool whatsoever. I feel like I'm sort of doubling down on that. But yet, I do think it is just a beautifully catchy, really, really big, super OTT, quite... I don't think silly is really the right word because it's done so straight mm. do you know what i mean mm. like it is so it, they play it so fucking straight like hey what do you do it there with the, all the massive back it doesn't have to be this way it's like you would you just wouldn't dare make it music that <laughs> just wouldn't make music that sounded like this now would you? i will say you just wouldn't dare do it i feel like you're undermining the point about how great the song is by doing it in the style of limmy doing wrong way down a one-way street <laughs> yeah i am um, maybe yeah, i am a little a bit. little bit yeah. but he, he has got that kind of really like you know i'm a pop star guys <laughs> yeah he's got that proper like tony blackburn thing going on but <laughs> yes. i do love it i like it's a great song mm-hmm. and i actually think the blow monkeys unlike hue and cry where i was like i don't really remember any of the other songs are not that great i think the blow monkeys were quite good oh, they actually were fairly consistently i mean you know you listen to the whole album so which is your decision no i didn't force you to do no, that but no. you decided to do that i did it because i enjoyed um, this song so much and i thought surely the rest of it's got to have something that's quite as good and nothing's quite as good i mean it does drop off but mm. you know yeah well track seven on the <laughs> album that comes after it check that one out Ooh, i mean oh dear oh. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I mean, yeah, cause he's, by the way, I should say, you might have seen that we put, or I put a little podcast up where we're doing that January thing where you listen to a new album um, every day that you've never heard before. Yeah. And um, you've got another one a bit like this coming up quite soon, I believe, Sam. Ooh. You've got Living in a Box is self titled. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's early yeah. next week, I think. Yeah. So, you know, if you do get bored of the Blow Monkeys, don't worry. There's more coming. Living in the Box 
there's more coming there's a couple of good ones on that live in the box album as well anyway yeah there you go it doesn't have to be this way but the blow monkeys from 1987 great song and if you were if you, you spent the year listening to hue and cry's labor of love which i know you did it's over. i know you did the nightmare's over it's over like that you got a new one you got a new one to listen to right um do you want to quickly just run through some stuff that you went to see and that i went to see over the Christmas period. Did you go to any gigs just before Christmas? I went to one. My uh, Well, I went to two in quick succession. You have already reviewed one of them briefly. Uh, I went and saw McCluskey with you, which was nice. Yeah, we spoke about yeah, that. Yeah, we spoke mm-hmm. about that. Uh, the only other one I went to go and see was... Um, <clears throat> uh, went to go and see Urn at the Crawford Arms in Milton Keynes, which was well, excellent. I'll tell you what. Yes. Let's let me run. Let's do this in chronological let's order. Let's do that. Let's have first things first, and then I'll do Earn in London as, yeah. and we can sort of see if it matched up. Mm. I went to see Helmet. Oh, go on. Really good. Yep. Really good at the Dome. Just Helmet. Um, no fucking support band. And uh, went with, with Dave Fenton of Pop Collab. Yeah, went with Dave from Pop Collaborate and Listen, and he said, "I think it's so that Paige Hamilton can play the entirety of his." jazz playlist that he'd compiled for the for the gig and he 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 kind of did and then they played acdc and i was like oh they're gonna come on now the lights went down they played they're gonna play acdc i thought they're gonna play acdc and then come on and they didn't they just went back to playing more jazz i went all right well that's a fucking weird little tease that you've done there (laughs) lads but fine but yeah um helmet were really really good i mean they played some stuff off the new album which i actually think sounded better live than it does on record and it fit in really well you didn't get much from the post-reformation stuff most of it was from as you would probably want it to be you would want aftertaste betty and meantime stuff that's what you want really and you know i mean i'm always going to be a bit like "Ah, a little bit more from aftertaste would be nice but they did play Soul Renovation, they did play Crisis King, I think. I don't have the set list in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they played that. And um, yeah, we got like Wilma's Rainbow and Milk Toast and it was good. And then obviously get like Unsung. Mm -hmm. And they did their version of Just Another Victim that they did from the Judgment Night soundtrack with House of Pain, which I'd never seen them do before. That was really cool. Bit weird without the, you know, without the other artists. Mm -hmm. House of Pain being involved in it, but it was still cool. And then, you know, ending on in the meantime, which is just fucking absolutely lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. I've got to say, right, I mean, I love Helmet and I think they're really good. And I've seen them be good before. I've seen them be great. I've seen them be not that good at all, actually. I think one of the times they came back a few years ago when they were doing one of the newer albums, they they weren't that good. And Paige, I felt like he he, isn't, it's never really been about his vocals. Like for me, the the hooks that are contained within his fairly rudimentary vocal range mm. and those massive riffs and grooves, that's the thing that you want from Helmet. His voice is a bit gone now. Yeah. Uh, is it gone or is he just conserving it? I'm not really sure. But when you get to that, hold it in the meantime, like that, you, he was probably just going, like, hold it. And I was like, oh, I want to hear you really fucking scream it. it. And he sort of, he sort of didn't, but really good, really tight. It sounded great. Um, yeah, it was really, really good. The next night I went to see Therapy, who were brilliant as ever. Mm. I mean, I feel like I've spoken about going to see Therapy a fair few times in podcast form over the years. And they are a band who, you know, again, they have a massive back catalogue of stuff and you're not ever going to hear all of it. Uh, but the new, again, the new songs from the Hard Cold Fire album I thought sounded 
great you know Poundland of Hope and Glory sounded brilliant mm. and they played quite a few back to back and and people were you know fairly into it and you get into a point as well where you know songs from stuff like you know like Disquiet and stuff from like people were really like oh yeah when they played that and I was like oh okay so the people that are paying attention to Helmet they are really pe- sorry to therapy not Helmet uh, the people attention that are paying to attention to therapy, therapy. therapy. that's the issue yeah. they, they, they probably do yeah, I mean I'm probably it was probably the same people there both <laughs> nights to be fair and um yeah, like it was really good, and then you get you know the kind of the the fairly uh, the fairly blatant greatest hits kind of mm-hmm. end into the the show as well. Um, they did a few covers as well. They did Diane. They did a little bit of uh, Pogues song, and they did a bit of uh, which they, um, before they did Died Laughing. They dedicated it to Shane McGowan, mm-hmm. and they did a bit of Nowhere Man by the Beatles Ooh. before they went into Nowhere, and they also dedicated. Uh, I think they dedicated to Died Laughing to Shane McGowan and Terry Venables, which I thought was a nice touch. Because what wasn't a nice touch was the next night when I went to go and see Madness and the Lightning Seeds at the O2, right? Now, the Lightning Seeds, I was actually quite keen to get there for the Lightning Seeds, but my other job, we had on Christmas party. So I went out. I had 12 gin and tonics, six doubles, 12s whatever man yeah. i had a lot of gin and tonic before i went right as is your want and then i left a little bit late and i missed the first couple of lightning seed songs annoyingly i only really like about five <laughs> lightning seed songs they played two of them uh before i got in there marvelous i missed and um what was the other one i can't remember another one so i was a bit like ah but then they basically you got 40 minutes of lightning seeds they just did all their hits they're not the greatest live band you would ever wish to see i have to be honest they're sort of past it now i quite like the lightning seeds i got i I like them but i have to say they played three lions at the end right of course they did yeah and he didn't dedicate to terry venables and i just thought that was absolutely outrageous outrageous behavior from ian Brody. like that he was the manager of the england national team when this song came out when you like it blew my fucking mind that he didn't even mention it. Therapy are an Irish band and don't and mentioned him not in conjunction with the song that's got anything to do about football, but they still dedicate the song to him. Andy obviously is a Chelsea fan. Terry Venables heavily linked with Chelsea throughout his career, you know, as a as a young player. But for the likeness he's not to do it, I thought it was I thought it was bad times. But because I was drunk, I cried throughout the entirety of three lines. Yeah. What a wanker. What a wanker. Don't get drunk. Don't drink. It'll turn you into the sort of person that gets emotional about watching the Lightning Seeds do a support slot in the O2. It's a half-empty O2. You don't want that in your life. No. It's not fun. My girlfriend turns to me, Polly turns to me and was like, she went, are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, you've got tears streaming down your cheeks. Liquid is being exposed what? from your eyes. <laughs> I believe that is what's crying. R- she was like, "What's wrong?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't, I don't know, I don't know." Yeah. You just, just said more of remember- a rugby man, and this hurts me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was not good. Mm. Not good. No. It's not good to do. You shouldn't, shouldn't do that. Shouldn't just, shouldn't cry because it's not 1996 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's not a reason to get sad. Anyway, Madness. So I've seen Madness twice before. They were the first band I ever saw back in 1995. 
Yes. And that was when they just had a, basically had their greatest hits set out and they played that and it was really good. Mm-hmm. I saw them at the Royal Albert Hall a couple of years ago and it was pretty good. As discussed, it didn't add that much to the, they had a couple of newer songs to the set list, but not that much. We reviewed their album, Theatre of the Absurd Presents C'est La Vie, just before the end of last year, Gaz and I. And Gaz really didn't like it. I thought some of it was okay. You know, I thought some of it was okay, but I'm not exactly going to go fucking loop the loop for fucking madness, new material. Do you know what I mean? There's a couple of songs I thought were all right. They played nine songs from that album. Nine songs, Sam. Oh, dear. Nine. Nine songs from the new album. songs on Master of Puppets, madness. Come on. (laughs) Sort your shit out. What are you doing? Look, I get it, right? You got a new album. It went in at number one. You can play four or five. Play four or five. How gracious of you, Steve. I'm sure Suggs will really appreciate that. You can't play nine, can you? No, that is... That's too much. Just trying to think, is there a band who has released an album uh, in recent memory where you'd be happy for them to play the majority of the album on that tour? Like, straight off the bat? Yeah, Yeah, like lots of younger bands, yeah. Like, I mean, we're going to well, talk about Earn. Yeah, we're going to talk about Earn <laughs> in a minute. I mean, they, you know, there's not nine songs on that album. No, but I want to hear all of them. But I want to hear all yeah, of them. Fine. Fine. I mean, that's just the next. There are plenty of it. Like, if I want to see Nation Language, play all ten of those songs Metallica, on the album. Doing all eleven songs from seventy-two seasons. Absolutely not. See, that's a similar ah, thing. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. Mm. Would you? Don't want that at all, do you? No. So I was a bit like you got kind of the. It was a bit like oh okay, two new ones. And then they played The Prince, and I was like, oh, cool. And then they played another new one. I was like, oh. Then they played My Girl, and I was like, oh, yeah. And then they played another couple of new ones, like three new, newer ones back to back. And it really wasn't until, you know, it was like one and then it's like a, a classic and then something you don't care about. Like that Baby Burglar song was sandwiched in between Embarrassment, which I think is Madness's best song, mm. and Grey Day, which I think is probably Madness's second best song. And I was like, you don't sound good amongst the other not very good songs on the new album. No way you're going to sound good on like this shit. So, yeah, you know, um, but you got to sort of like, it was it Shut Up, Bed and Breakfast Man. They played a few more there. Yeah, like Wings of a Dove, In My Street, One Step Beyond, House of Fun, Baggy Trousers, Our House, It Must Be Love, Friday Night, Saturday Morning, mm. cover the specials. Madness, Night Boat to Cairo. That is a strong, that's a strong end if you, if you mm, like Madness. A strong finale, yes. Strong finale. Um, it was good. It was the least good time I've seen Madness. But to be fair, the other two times, they have been really, really good. So I'll allow it. Um, yes, how gracious of me. <laughs> but then the next night, Earn a Mountain Caller. Yes, absolutely. So I'll do mine first as chronologically mine came first. And I believe mm-hmm. uh, the gig I went to was referred to at the London show. So um, yeah, Mountain Caller thought were on um, fantastic form. We've seen them a couple of times now. Uh I think I saw them once at the Black Heart and I can't remember who they were supporting, but they, I remember them being very good that time. Really enjoyed their debut album when it came out and really commanding um, kind of psych rock, post-rock kind of thing that they do and it translates so well live. Um, I was with my partner and she was really, really into Mountain Caller and I I think the way that I summed it up in t- for anyone who's not heard Mountain Caller, they're kind of predominantly instrumental post-rock. If Bosk take from like the kind of acid side of pink floyd this is more from 
Led Zeppelin, I would say, is where they kind of two diverge. Thought they were excellent, really, really storming form. You'd have to be a really good headliner to follow them, and obviously, um, were I thought they were astonishing. I think the fact that um, Joe Nally's vocals, they've got more of a kind of death metal edge to them when he does them live. They're a lot gruffer, a lot yeah, more yeah. guttural, which I didn't expect. Um, so kind of took me aback, but start to finish absolutely exceptional they are so tight like another thing that i think they've borrowed uh, borrowed learned from gojira is just that tautness to give it that extra punch that extra heft um i turned to my mate andy i think just as they were getting to the end of becoming the ocean and i did say to him it's fucking criminal that this room is not sold out i'd say it was maybe kind of 70 percent full for the majority of the show um which is pathetic, quite frankly. The the one incident that did happen, which I think has been referred to on the subsequent shows, though, uh, there was bloke crowd-killing people in the audience and actually got thrown out, proper cartoon-style, yeah. scruff of the neck and by the belt. And I really liked <laughs> really liked Joe Nally saying, get that fucking can out of here. We've got no time for people like that in my fucking shows. It was great. Really enjoyed that. How did they get on in London, though, Steve? It was really good. It was pretty fucking packed by the time Mountain Caller came on pretty fucking packed Excellent. it's the boston music rooms which i have said i think i said a few years it's, well, it's been a few years now but the boston music rooms i always think has the best pa for a small venue in london didn't you see I failure think. there i saw failure there yeah. and they sounded unbelievable mm, yeah. but then i think they didn't use amps they did that thing like Meshuggah do where they go straight oh like the PA. Fix. Yeah, yeah yeah which was you know they but they sounded fucking so good mm. so good and I, like Mountain Caller are a band who I like, you know, I've liked mm. everything they've put out, but it's not like my favourite type of music. Sure, Do you know sure. what I mean? That kind of instrumentally riffy, riffy sort of stuff. And they're adding more vocals in now at this point as well, I think, which is cool. And, um, <clears throat> but they, I don't think I'd seen them live before. Mm. I don't think I'd seen them live. And live, it just seems so much more dynamic yeah. and so much heavier and so much more... Like, again, it's that cliche, isn't it? It's heavier, but more melodic. Yes. <laughs> but it actually is in this instance. Mm, it, you know, it actually, like the heavy bits sound really, really heavy and the kind of quiet bits sounded really quiet. Like they were, and, and really delicate and really lovely. I was well impressed with Mountain Caller. I was sort of going in going like, oh yeah, cool, Mountain Caller. I'd be looking forward to seeing them. But I was like, like you say, I was properly like, fucking hell. Yeah. Like they're going to really give an a run for their money mm. and you know they they kind of they i think the two of them complement each other really really well mm. as a pairing you know like you've got this band who are you know have both of them have very long very intricate sort of pieces which are you know often very very emotional but when they want to be they can both still be crushingly heavy mm. i would say you know mountain caller are probably the quieter and the more delicate when they want to be whereas Ern, like you mentioned live joe's vocals oh, mate. sounded yeah, fucking yeah. brilliant like so good i mean again every time i see them angus blows my mind mm -hmm. like how they can be that heavy i was speaking to someone afterwards actually um uh, apologies if you're listening buddy i've forgotten your name but we had a little chat afterwards and he was saying oh, i would like to have a second guitarist and i was like yeah you know i think i think it would be cool for them to have a second guitarist because imagine what they'd sound like with a second guitarist right. they would sound fucking monolithically huge yes but i personally don't notice anything going you know there were a couple of times i think with a sound cut out while angus was soloing and joe's bass 
didn't kind of cut through. Mm. But that would be the only time where I ever... But that's a technical thing. That's nothing to do with... That could have happened with a second guitarist, couldn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I thought they sounded absolutely massive. Mm. You know, there, there isn't a lot... I mean, I sort of said it at the end of last year, there isn't a lot that you that I think you could even consider thinking about changing with Urn. I mean, I've got the new Metal Hammer in front of me right now. And Joe sent me a little message earlier and he was like, oh man, we still can't get in. <laughs> we still can't get in Metal it Hammer. And I was like, yeah, that's that about. Um, and it's got, you know, I've done two of the cover features. It's got Bad Omens and Lorna Shaw, which I wrote. And then uh, Sing Queen and Hannaby, I got the front cover with Hannaby, yeah. who I don't really know anything about Hannaby, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I can't pass judgment. But, you know, that's sort of what metal in the sort of broader sense looks like mm-hmm. now, isn't it? And Urn don't look like that. So when you talk about like, oh, it's a criminal that the, the venue is only half full and, you know, those sort of things. I just think that they are a band who are completely out of step with what is commercial going to be kind of commercially popular sure and but the they're fa- not a commercial they're not there's there's so little about them which is you know traditionally commercial mm. but as i was watching them i was just like this doesn't feel right that this venue is so small no. because these songs seem so fucking massive and i really do think that there is so much potential there for them to go and play in a two and a half thousand to five thousand capacity venue with those songs mm. And them shake the foundations of that vent of, of those venues yeah. because, you know, I think they're, they're touring with Avatar in France, and I, I don't know how big those venues are going to be, but you'd imagine with Avatar in France, you're going to be looking at at least Academy, eight, surely. Yeah, eight to eight hundred to one and a half, two thousand a night. I would have thought. I think on the high you know, end like, of that, anyway. I think you're looking at sort of probably. minimum like bigger than the ballroom. I think you'd be probably looking at yeah. maybe like Kentish Town for most venues for a band like Avatar. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I just don't know how many dates are and how big mm. those venues are in that country. So I, I don't really know. Like most venues tend to be a bit smaller throughout kind of regional mm. parts yeah, of fair. Europe than they are. Like maybe the pattern like that the Paris show might be really big or whatever, mm. but you know, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I do think, you know, they've done it with Gajira and I, mm. you know, we did, we didn't have the pleasure of having them over here Rubbish. in the UK when Gajira came over. Yeah. But I just think that, like, as great as they were, I didn't feel like the venue could kind of cope no. with what was happening. It was it was brilliant. It, arguably, they were better at Bloodstock because the whole field was just swallowed up. Mm. And that was impressive. It's like, they're that good now that it's a piece, like, you know, a couple of hundred people in a venue it's a fucking piece of piss for them to to do that isn't it? oh yeah it just feels Lush like practice. those songs are that yeah those songs are that good mm. and they're so big and they sound so sort of broad that i just fucking shit that out easy yeah like it's a piece of piss to them just an absolute piece of piss so yeah man it was it was great i really want to see them play a big indoor venue yes that's what i want to see i want them to get a main support slot to somebody at the roundhouse oh yeah i mean mass Mastodon haven't toured. Uh, Twenty nineteen was the last time they were in the yeah. UK. Yeah, yeah. Or Hammersmith, you know. You want to get? I, I want Earn on with a a Devon Townsend. I mean, Devon Townsend's a bit more proggy and mm. all that, so it probably needs to be something a bit more tech metally. If 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 they if he took, if he came over, but I want them 
I don't want them on first either. I want the main support. Main support. Somebody. Main support to... Machine Head, maybe? Machine Head. I mean, obviously, Gojira and, you know, Mastodon. But Gojira, yeah. Mastodon, Amon and Marth. Mm, somebody yeah. like that, right? That's what you want, mm. isn't it? Megadeth. Wow. You know? Yeah, good, because early night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd go after but that. I'd be like, that's I what you want. That's, that's, yeah, that's what you want. Somebody do that. Somebody, that's early sort of shout for 2024. I'm not going to be happy with 2024 unless I see Earn doing a five to 10,000 capacity main support slot to a big metal band. That's something. Yeah, we all is there, can can we all get on board with that? I'm on board. Good. Sam's on board. Yep. Are you on board? You are on board. Let us know in the right, comments below. <laughs> uh right, okay. So, you know, let's let's talk about what happened in music in nineteen ninety one. What has happened in society in nineteen ninety one? We'll see what's going on. Mm. There is, like I say, one particular reason why I've picked January 1991 to look back on as a time in music. It's quite an interesting time because January 1991, we were about to have a seismic event happen in the world of music. By the time Nevermind comes out towards the end of 1991, I mean, when you think of 91, you think of Nevermind and you think of um, the Black you know, Album, Scream of Delica, the Black Album, uh, Loveless. Mm you know, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, there are loads and loads of albums that came out that year that are considered these kind of all-time, untouchable, unbelievable classic records. But in January 1991, you probably wouldn't have known any of that was coming at that point because, you know, Nirvana were a tiny little band. Mm. I guess the Red Hot Chili Peppers had been sort of bumming around. There was like an indie movement that was starting to kind of swell up off the back of the Stone Roses, but kind of not as well i think shoegaze was a thing but again it had sort of been usurped a little bit by grebo because we get kind of pop elite itself and you know rave culture is is happening mm -hmm. but it's very much happening in the underground you've got hip-hop is definitely starting to become something which you see on mainstream television more mm, it's beginning you know, to the year before yeah. but the stuff that was really big in the charts would have been well we'll talk about vanilla ice and mc <laughs> hammer and turtle power by partners in crime and stuff like that and it was rare that it not impossible but it was slightly rare that you'd see a public enemy or a queen latifah or a della soul or someone like that getting on the um and certainly nwa you definitely wouldn't see that on top of the pops too much so i think here in the uk we were sheltered a little bit so sam in 1991 what were you doing in january 1991 oh a lot of swimming a lot of swimming yeah. in my dad's bollock yeah. that's the joke for those of you who haven't put it together because i wasn't born till 1994 steve i know yeah. 91 this is going back to prior you even being born do you have any when you think about what it would have been like in 1991 do you do you ever kind of fantasize or imagine what it might have been like for me being a little nipper yeah. around 1991 yeah i imagine um you were just sort of frustratedly waiting for grunge to come in but everything would have been black and white because they didn't invent color till till then so yeah, yeah that's, true. that's exactly that's pretty, pretty happened, accurate. Yeah. no you yeah, would, um, you I was would have been listening to your tone loke seven inch wouldn't you Oh, big yeah. time. Big time. Do the Bartman, all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, lovely. I do, there's loads. Of, so it, it, it's a quite a pretty interesting time in 
uh, in, just in, in culture, basically. I mean, the big thing that happened around this time, January 1991, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, the, um, the, the kind of allied forces of the US and the UK getting involved with Iraq after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait mm-hmm. and uh, we step in. And, you know, as a conflict, I remember that kicking off uh, on January the 14th that happened. Um, that was the official kind of start of, of that conflict. And it was over pretty quickly. Mm. You know, I didn't really understand what was going on. I still don't really know if I know too much about, the, you know, the kind of the ins and outs of it, the ins and outs of it. But John Major and George Bush Sr. deciding to to make that. And, and that was something which was definitely on TV a lot. Like you would, you know, you, you would hear we're going to have to interrupt this program for an update on the, the you know, the, the, the Iraq war yeah. that would happen all the time. I remember that happened and all the time on the telly and it did have a direct impact on music as well, because on the day that the conflict actually started, Carter USM released a single blood sport for all from their excellent 30 something album. Um, a song which is about the treatment of young men in the military that was banned by the BBC for having an anti army sentiment. Um, I love 30 something I think it's a really really great record mm. and I think this is one of the best songs on it as well did you get a chance to listen to this song Sam? I did indeed and then I went and double checked uh, an episode that we did with Jamie Lenman at the end of 2022 because I thought I've definitely heard another Carter USM song before in earnest like put it on for sure I thought I don't look like a tit and have listened to this one before I hadn't I will say this is the mm. better of the two by by quite some distance actually I really really like this the other one was Sheriff Fat mm. Man for anyone wanting to keep track oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. I th- yeah I think this is great actually I think the way that it starts with that sort of um, synthesizer that conjures up a bit of that knees up mother brown Britishness but then goes really quite heavy um, both musically and lyrically it's a really really strong song I can see why it would have been controversial not even necessarily um in the spectre of the Gulf War, because um, it's mm. some pretty, pretty harsh lyrically. It's pretty biting, but yeah, really, really good song actually. I'm, it's a great beginning song. to revise my opinion on Carter USM, which is that only you like them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that doesn't make them bad. No, I didn't Probably say makes that. Them good. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, lyrically, so Bloodsport for All said Corporal Flash and shove me, shove me in a room full of CS gas. Stuck me in a wetsuit to dry off in the sun and fed, fed me pet food, kitty cat and chum. Stand up and beg, said Sergeant Kirby. Laid down, played dead for dying Fergie. Roll up, roll up, goes the revelry. Abuse the bugle boy in Company B. Um, and it goes on. Mm, you know, mm. I could do the whole lyrics. But yeah, it is just basically about people getting put in the army and treated like absolute shit. Mm. And there was, I mean, we'll talk about, I don't think Britain were quite as bad as it for america we talk about a couple of the other things that happened in america around this time that were you know a bit less over the top a bit over the top i would say Mm -hmm. but um yeah so that happened and um yeah i'm not particularly surprised yeah like you say it feels like it would be controversial now Mm, absolutely yeah let alone on the day Britain went to, to war, war yeah. essentially. Massive Attack released their classic song, Unfinished Sympathy, mm-hmm. on the 11th, but had to be called Massive just for a little while because of the conflict, because the attack 
was seen to be you know i mean that lucky it was a small operation otherwise they wouldn't have been able to have a name could they because if the word exactly. attack is offensive in this instance i mean mm-hmm. if it had been larger scale i mean we, we might yeah. not have even heard of them no stupid. Yeah. so anyway. stupid <laughs> so stupid uh the january 17th edition of top of the pops is suspended due to the conflict like i said things happening mm-hmm. on the telly all the time just popping up and being like oh no you won't want to listen to pop music not while we're at war no not while we're you at be war listening to the national and anthem you should be really and uh, a new edition a rendition i should say of john lennon's give peace a chance was released on the 15th of january which is the day after everything kind of kicked off uh with yoko ono lenny kravitz peter gabriel alana miles tom petty bonnie Raitt, and some others billed as the peace choir um which was kind of rushed to market uh, in response to the gulf war happening mm. i remember that i didn't tell you to listen to it because I I wouldn't make you listen to Gal Gadot's version of Imagine now, <laughs> and it's it, it's a it's a millisecond away from being that bad. I was going to say. I mean, um, to be fair, the, many of the artists listed there pretty good together. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you think a super a super group's that. not very good when there's four members. It gets exponentially worse when there's that many. Too many members. Yeah. Too many members of the super group. Too many members and. Yeah. Um, in terms of other things that happened in the news, I mean, it's quite hard to find things that weren't affected somewhat by the conflict from around this time. But there was a crash on the 8th at Cannon Street Station that killed two people and injured over 500 other people due to rotten wood, uh, the Cannon Street service, which is probably still there to this day, mm. I would imagine, because... You know, we've got absolutely no new infrastructure in the United Kingdom no. ever since then, have we really? We've got the Elizabeth and line, there was... which uh, works famously well. Oh, God, the <laughs> bloody... Yeah, I can't even be bothered to get into the Elizabeth line. Yeah. And then there's a uh, weekend-long conflict between Lithuanian civilians and Soviet forces. Um, Soviet forces invading Lithuania between the 11th and the 13th. And that was something which I guess got kind of forgotten about. I don't really remember this. I mean, this was prior to a lot of stuff, obviously, kicking off in... Um, in uh, the sort of eastern europe in the kind of eastern block mm. of europe within a few years all of those what used to make up the soviet union would be dissolved you know your moldovas and latvias and mm. lithuanias and uh there are others i just go by the football teams to <laughs> say. it's not Montenegro, serbia or montenegro because that's yugoslavia but you know it's that kind of area of the world um films do you want to see what the so as we as we record it, the weekend of the 4th of january 1991 this was what the uk box office looked like i want to know how many of these films you've heard of secret wedding no that sounds terrible i don't, don't know I, that either i already don't like it the fool the fool the fool i don't remember that film at all no to be honest. no don't no, know what it is sure. captain america ah the original the original <laughs> with Ned Beatty. You ever seen that? No. <laughs> no. I've seen all of the new Captain Americas. <laughs> no, no. It's amazing to me that the release of a new Captain America film in 2024 now would be seen as like this huge billion dollar global event, mm. right? And yet there was still such a lack of respect for comic book movies in 1991 that the Captain America movie... It peaked at number eight in the UK box office, and I don't even remember it coming out. I mean, I don't think I've seen this, and I I really like Captain America as a, as a kid. Yeah, he was one of the 
the the the comic books that I actually really liked. I liked Superman and Captain America and Batman were the only three I really paid any attention to. Sure. So I was have been well up for a Captain America movie. I've never seen this. No. Never seen it. I would imagine. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Steve, and say you probably don't have to. But um, I mean, yeah, at this point, comic books, comic book films didn't really even slightly begin to catch on until well the x-men films really which i believe are the beginning of the 2000s and then obviously you got the spider-man sam raimi yeah. and all that so yeah at this point no one would have given a shit and at this point i mean marvel were selling off their film rights as cheap as they could to try and keep the offices open so yeah i'm yeah. i'm actually surprised that he got to number eight that feels like quite a good result for them uh, given that it would have been just a slapdash give us 50 quid for the rights to captain america kind of affair yeah because i think towards the end of the year you get the rocketeer maybe it's next year you get the rocketeer which is sort of a bloke in a helmet with a jetpack on. <laughs> what, Iron Man? And it, 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 yeah, it's basically <laughs> Iron Man set in the 50s, uh, right? Yeah. Or the 40s. Yeah. Timothy Dalton playing a, some sort of Nazi, I think. Not as a and, No. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then you had The Phantom with Billy Zane and oh, also had the, fl- the Flash movie. I remember seeing a trailer for The Flash movie and being like, oh, I want to see that. Couldn't find it. Rocketeer, no, they, they just weren't, you couldn't even, they weren't even on. This was, this was the year, 1991, Basingstoke, where I was growing up. Mm. We got our first big multiplex 10 screen cinema. Jesus. Right? Which opened this year. And I still could not see any of these films. I, I would have been up for seeing like, I wanted to see the Rocketeer. Fuck me, of course I mm. did. But they never, they, mate, yeah, comic book films were fucked. But it's so weird, isn't it? Because Batman, only two years before, Batman was the biggest thing in the world. Mm. Yes. How strange. How strange. Because, yeah, obviously, it's really like, weird. like I say, Batman was a cultural phenomenon. I mean, had Batman Returns come out by this point? Uh, no, I think that, Maybe was, that was 1992. Mm. Mm. Maybe it's just that everyone knew that they were all going to be a bit shit. Because I think there was yes, no expectation well, for that Batman film, which, for the record, oh, I don't think it's held up nearly as well as people who saw it at the time think it has. Mm, well, a conversation for right. another time, perhaps. It yeah. is, yeah. Anyway, number seven was Staying Together. Don't know what that nope, is. Don't know. Uh, I'd rather watch Secret Wedding. <laughs> number six was The Garden. I don't know what that is. Oh God. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't say I know what it is, but I feel like. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there are plenty of films called The Garden, so I've probably just heard. I'm pretty sure. Or, or maybe are, yeah. I've just heard the words "the" and "garden" put together before. That seems likely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be what it is. Maybe. Number five is The Sheltering Sky. Now, I believe this is a UK film, but I don't. I, I don't know what it nah. is. I don't know what it is. Nah. All right, here is where it gets the stuff that you will recognise. Number four is Ghost. Yay! Not seen it, but With Patrick it, Swayze yeah. and Demi Moore. Have you not seen Ghost? No. Oh, mate, it's all right. Cool. It's all right. My dad, when I was about 10, took me to see Ghost. And now I do look back at it <coughs> and I go, it's quite weird that a, a kind of middle-aged man would take his 10-year-old son to watch a sort of romantic film. <laughs> About a ghost. <laughs> About a ghost. Maybe he was going for the yeah. more sort of Scooby-Doo mm. aspect of it. He was hoping they'd lean more heavily <laughs> into the ghost rather than the romance. I think about 40 minutes in, he went, this is not what I thought this film was oh, going to be dear. at all. Um. I didn't take me to see it, but my dad rented on Sky <laughs> Sky Cinema when I was young. I think it was the first time I met his then new girlfriend because he knew I was into cartoons. He rented Team America. That was quite bad. Oh. That was quite bad. I think I would have been what maybe eleven. Yeah, watching 
fucking to hell. puppets have like hardcore sex with my dad and his <laughs> new girlfriend. That was not puppets not having hardcore sex with your dad. With my dad, yeah. I didn't know he was in it. It was really <laughs> meta. Know. It was. That's good. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Four ghosts. Number three. Almost an angel. You wear this film, Sam? No. Okay, so it's Paul Hogan, okay, aka Crocod- yeah, yeah, yeah. Crocodile Dundee, yes. to you, uh, to and he, <laughs> he he plays an angel, and he's I've seen it. It's fucking rubbish. It's fucking rubbish. It's a comedy where he he doesn't dress as an angel. He just is an angel. I think he dies and he comes back down and he's just like oh and he just sort of wears a you know wears a, a denim jacket. He wears double denim and a sort of beanie hat mm. and he walks around being an angel. Yeah. And it's not great. Here's one I'm sure you've seen. Home Alone, oh, number two. Yeah, watch the first 40 minutes of that on Christmas Day before falling asleep. But yes, I have seen Home go? Alone many times. Yeah. Go on. Home Alone stays in the chart for quite a while after this as well. And I always found it weird. I think me and Gaz talked about going to see Scrooged in February. <laughs> did we talk about that on the podcast? You did. I, I think remember. that was on a your cop yeah. pop, maybe. I don't um, know. I don't actually listen to maybe. this, obviously. So. Anyway, but yes, um, Home Alone is is really good. Yes. But people hated it at the time. People thought it was awful, and now they've come around. Look to at it. Got now. really bad reviews. Come crawling. Back. Yeah, look at him now. Showed you, didn't they? <laughs> and number one, Arachnophobia, the spider film. Ah, haven't seen it, but as an arachnophobe, will never. I'm sure the effects aren't terrifying at all because it's a film that came out in well in 1990. Oh, they're real spiders. What? 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 <laughs> I never, I never knew, knew that. that. Uh, real spiders? Shit. Oh, yeah. Ah, real Arachnophobia. spiders. If you don't like spiders, mate, fuck that. Oh. Don't watch that. I've got no beef with spiders. I oh, I don't mind I've got them. no beef with spiders. I'm just terrified of them. Okay, right. As long as they yeah, keep yeah, themselves, really... that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Let me be in a spider behind clothes. So don't <laughs> put it in our face. Um, I, arachnophobia, I've not seen it for years, but it's, a, it's Spielberg, mm-hmm. and it's got John Goodman in it as oh, a... brilliant as a bloke I remember he sets fire to a thing it's just got loads of, but it is like loads of spiders it's the same thing as you know in Indiana Jones yes. where he fought like in Raiders of Lost Ark and he falls down and there's all yeah, the snakes rats why do they have to be rats yeah well, it's all the it's snakes yeah. isn't it? and there's all the snakes you go well they're real snakes because mm. back then they'd have to be real snakes it's, this is the same thing arachnophobia actually I tell you Ooh. funnily enough we uh, me and my flatmates were watching um, Raiders of Lost Ark the other day and the bit where in the beginning where he turns around and has all those spiders on his back I did have to kind of recoil a little bit I really fucking hate spiders yeah don't watch arachnophobia so that was I'll the week of fourth alone again. watch Home Alone there again there is a spider yeah. in it though and again I hate that bit obviously it's yeah. only you know a scene but it's like oh I can't watch it mm. Did you know, little fact about that scene, mm. when they put the spider on Daniel Stern's face, he said, I'm happy to have that happen, but will he get scared if I scream? And they went, yeah, he might do. And so he had to mime the scream oh, okay. and then add the, the uh, I can say the, the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> add the lyrics, uh, add the voice on later. Mm. Anyway, yeah, good. Uh, a week later, we got Reversal of Fortune. Don't know what that is. Serrano de Bergerac, Gerard Depardieu, mm. doing the uh, Serrano de Bergerac thing. Yeah, not seen, seen it. That? I know who Gerard Depardieu okay, is, fine. that's it. <laughs> uh, Child's Play 2 uh, entered the top 10 okay. as well. I, I haven't, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't seen Child's Play 2. I did watch a lot of the 80s slashes in my teenage years, but mm-hmm. uh, Child's Play was not a series I felt I needed to continue with. Okay, a week after that, you got Miller's Crossing, which is actually genuinely amazing. So it's a Coen Brothers classic. Sure. Uh, Elliot Byrne. 
Gabriel Byrne, not Elliot Byrne, Gabriel Byrne. Have you seen that? I haven't actually. I've, I've seen, Mate, I've seen a fair amount of Coen Brothers films, but I don't know that. I, I know Those it, early Coen Brothers. Yeah. Uh, fucking great. Great. Uh, the Rookie with Clint Eastwood came a week after that. And in the final week of January, Maniac Cop 2 made it to number 12. Oh, brilliant. Now that's great. a classic. That is, that is a classic. Akira was number three. The mm, yes, the anime. Manga, yes. manga the anime, yeah. Uh, postcards from the Edge with Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine. I can't remember that. Is that about but the final week from a member of U2? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it yes. is and rocky five topped the final chart of the month happy birthday, Bali. on its first week of release <laughs> happy birthday bali that's it that's, that's rocky four one, but but that's fine rocky five terrible yeah absolutely shonking awful awful film as i revealed to you in a text yesterday steve uh, i didn't know there was a rocky five until a few weeks ago i feel like they've tried to bury that one like i thought it was rocky's one through four and then balboa a couple of decades after and then no. obviously did creed yeah i didn't know there was a rocky five there is a rocky five and uh it's if you knew see this is why you should listen to more brit rock because a reference rocky five in the song bad idea right what is so, their reference? Do they know, say, like when we were watching say, Rocky Five? Rocky Five, bad idea, an indie shite, bad <laughs> idea. It's just a load of things that are bad ideas. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, and also we should say, this is the month where it didn't come out in the UK straight away, but Science of the Lambs mm. um, premiered in New York this month oh, as well, oh. which I actually watched on telly last night because it was on ITV oh. at about quarter to 11. I, I was thought like, you looked like you hadn't it. slept. <laughs> the night terrors. Yeah. I watched it and then I had to watch two episodes of I'm Alan Partridge just to sort of <laughs> cleanse myself after I stayed up to about two in the morning. But um, yeah, I watched it last night, Science of the Lambs, and I, there are things in it which I guess people would call problematic mm. now about Buffalo Bill. I think actually when you hear Chloe Starling talking about uh, Buffalo Bill as a transgender character... Mm. She actually says, she actually goes, I don't think he's tra transgenders by their very nature are not violent people. They're passive people. So they actually make it, they actually give themselves a little out there. But I know there's been quite a lot of criticism in the years since regarding that film. Mm. Whether or not you think that criticism is valid or not, I do think as a piece of filmmaking, it is something else that film is brilliant. It's astonishing absolutely brilliant yeah. if if i was going to do like well maybe top 20 films ever it would easily be in there might be mm. might be top 10 i think yeah absolutely staggering piece of work yeah it's brilliant yeah. it's fucking brilliant really really good and i think for years i think everyone you know, talks about um anthony hopkins as hannibal lecter i would say that jodie foster does still the film oh definitely in it she's brilliant might be a hot take i actually brilliant. think anthony hopkins but he's not my favourite Hannibal Lecter. I think Bro Brian Cox. Bro no, Brian Cox in uh, yeah in Manhunter. I think is great. Manhunter. Actually, my favourite. I think Mads Mikkelsen in the Hannibal TV series. I think he fucking. See, I've not seen it. that. Oh mate, it's brilliant. Well, is it? The, okay. the first series is amazing. The second is really good. The third, you can tell that it was getting cancelled because it does feel a little bit kind of rushed. But definitely worth a watch, mm. man. Definitely worth a watch. Mm. I think the thing about Anthony Hopkins is that because he did two films as Hannibal Lecter after that and he basically phoned the next two in oh, completely massively, yeah I mean he's particularly like, when he gets to Red when he's doing yeah I mean Red Dragon hello Will <laughs> 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 hello Joe 
<laughs> yeah, he's proper like Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> in the, in the, oh, well, you know, I'm a cannibal, Michael. don't you? Mercy, yeah. we gotta catch that yeah. tooth fairy. <laughs> yeah, what are you, fucking Peter Griffin? What are you playing? <laughs> playing it as Peter Griffin? Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, but he's good in that. Like, he is very good is in that. Very there are bits in it where he is very good. He's very intense. And at the time, you've not really seen somebody playing a, villain in that manner mm. for a long time in the sort of horror so yeah good tv gordon the gopher got his own tv show at on last. the 3rd of january at last finally Justice. good day for gordon's because <laughs> that day on the third not only did gordon the gopher get his own TV, the first of his own tv shows uh 13 episodes if you're asking uh the british empire started oh, as well i <laughs> haven't watched it for many years but i used to love the british empire when i was a kid i think i only ever had like the first two series on dvd because you just you, you still couldn't find them but uh yeah yeah you, you it's fucking i don't think it's, is it good i don't think it probably was very good but is i liked it, it as good, a kid David? i liked it as a child yeah I used to watch the British Empire religiously. I bloody loved it. I bloody loved it. Colin with his I mean, now you've got, re- <laughs> yeah, you've got a receptionist, Carol, just crying at work and keeping her baby in a drawer. Yeah. It's dark. It's brilliant. Fucking dark. Brilliant. Chris Barry, Mr. Gordon British, doesn't give a fuck, does he? Nah. For those of you done, who don't know this or maybe from another country, basically it's uh, leisure a, a show about a leisure centre and a very kind of jobs-worthy manager and the and hijinks occur. Hilarity ensues. Um, hilarity ensues. On the 8th of January and the 14th of January, respectively, two huge US shows made their UK debut as well. Twin Peaks, mm. firstly, on the 8th, started. And The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on the 14th started as well mm. i like both of those shows what range i have <laughs> such a broad taste uh, i've never yeah. never watched twin peaks it's one of those that uh, i'm pretty sure my stepdad has, has got uh, like the complete box set series on dvd but i've just never got around to it i'm sure i'll love it because it's weird and surreal and it's david lynch and i i know i'll really enjoy it however the fresh prince as i think i have referenced once or twice you know, over the years of the podcast Every Friday, mate. Double Bill of the Simpsons, Robot Wars, Fresh Prince, on the way back from yeah. school, getting fish and chips from the Highfield Fish and Chip Shop in Stafford. Oh, great days. Halcyon days. Great days. Yeah. Used to love the, love the Fresh Prince. Yeah. Uh, Twin Peaks scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I can believe it. I was 10 when this started. I shouldn't have been watching this. No. I shouldn't have been watching this no. when I was 10. Did- I mean, God rest my mother's soul, but she's... Don't know how to stink of there. Let me watch this, hasn't she? What's worse? My mum used to be like, Mum, can I watch this? And she'd just go, yeah. <laughs> At least she didn't take you to see Ghost. <laughs> Don't you see a razor That's head true. instead? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we saw Scanners. Uh, it was fine. Oh, um, but yeah, it's great. It is good. But it scared the fucking hell out of me. I think I did actually stop watching it at the time. So I watched a bit of it. Didn't know what was going on. Knew it scared me. It didn't feel very good. I, I used to like then I go to bed and I just wake up in the middle and I go mom mom I think there's a dwarf talking backwards to me I was watching and uh, on the 28th oh, on, on, the Twin Peaks reference mm. I was watching an episode of The Simpsons the other day and there's a bit where Homer's sort of up late watching TV and um a shot of Homer you can see the telly blaring at him and it goes there's some damn fine coffee and pie you got here in Twin Peaks and then it cuts to the TV and it's a unicorn dancing with a man under a traffic light attached to a tree and Homer goes brilliant I have no idea what's going on that's about <laughs> yeah. what I expect when I get around to watching it 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a bit like that. And on the 28th of January, Oliver Reed made his infamous appearance on Channel 4's show After Dark. Absolutely pissed off his nut in glorious fashion. <laughs> glorious Oliver Reed fashion. I asked you to watch this, Sam. Had you ever seen it before? I'd never even heard of After Dark. I was doing a bit of dig- digging into <laughs> no, the show afterwards. Really. I'll tell you what, I, I, I think it sounds a bit of me, actually. I'm going to try and dig more of it out. I can't find loads and loads of it on YouTube, but, uh, you know, you can still find Do, would it. You, would you like to explain to the people listening who may probably don't remember after dark like me. what it was uh so as far as i can ascertain a show of varying lengths where they'd have uh, four or five sort of personalities uh, alongside a host talking about the big yeah. issues of of the day <laughs> essentially but not quite as well i don't know because i've not seen much of it you've but, made it sound rubbish I say, <laughs> I mean, better than that sounds because it seems like the the point of it was that they were actually having sometimes fairly sensitive conversations but from a very respectful standpoint where actually people would allow each other to get their views across and they'd actually have that chat and i think the fact that it was a live broadcast of an indeterminate amount of time obviously after dark would have been post watershed or whatever means that you can actually mm-hmm. have those larger conversations i think conceptually as a show it sounds great would never get commissioned now not never a get commissioned now um, no, you'd have fucking like one of made in chelsea trying to talk about like <laughs> the fucking, gulf war yeah just awful uh but yeah but oliver reed <laughs> is just a um, fuck you fuck this is but this time oliver reed is just a maniac you know how like just a maniac ricky gervais has grown to become more and more like david brent the further he's got away from that character and steve coogan mm-hmm. arguably has done the same with alan partridge i think based on this oliver reed has done the same thing with bill sykes just a yeah. belligerent, misogynistic drunk. Like, oh, mate, what a twat. He... What is it that he says to um, Kate Millett? He says, like, come on, big tits, give us a kiss. So this, like, feminist mm. scholar. It's like, oh, mate, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's something. There's a few of them uh, over the years throughout the 90s that are probably worth, I say worth digging up. But, like, you would be like, blimey. Uh, and that was one of them. Uh, in terms of people being born and passing away this month pixie lot was born on the 12th she went on to be pixie lot pixie lot eden hazard the chelsea and real madrid winger was born on the 7th and ariana debose every time i've thought about eden take me back to eden that's what i say spirit of eden um ariana debose the oscar winner from west side story was born on the 25th as well apart from that there's no one who's like really that sizable but also in music as well on the 8th steve clark from def leopard passed away after a long documented struggle with addiction succumbing to alcohol poisoning he was found on his sofa um having been given some time off from the band to kind of go into rehab um he had morphine in his system and they had a alcohol blood level of over 30 percent. it's a bit of a tragedy i mean it's more than a bit we kind of mentioned this when if you go over to our patreon me and gaz did the uh the def leppard classic album i think probably four maybe four or five months ago would have been around and september maybe maybe August. yes or september yeah. time i think it was yeah and we spoke about steve clark mm. and what a kind of great guitarist he was for that particular style of music and what you know all the kind of the kind of real that again that kind of ott flourishes that he brought to to def leppard and you know they were so massive again the, the amount of records they sold he almost can't comprehend how many records that band was selling at that time and yeah he was uh he was a huge part of it and he 
you know he really was racked with you know serious serious problems it's just a, a very very sad thing and i think the kind of you know again to talk about music and sort of changing tides in music i don't think certain members of the music press were that respectful to the memory of, of steve clark or that kind of respectful to what he had achieved as a musician mm. when he passed away and i know that you know there are plenty of Def Leppard fans and I think even members of Def Leppard themselves who are who still you know wouldn't want to talk to the enemy because of the way that it was covered or because of the the kind of lack of respect that they seem to show for him purely because they don't really didn't care, care the so music for, that he was part of yeah yeah I mean fair play to Def yeah. Leppard I think yeah fuck him mm. yeah. yeah of course um quickly gonna go through a bit of sport Liverpool were top of the first division going into the uh the the kind of i was gonna say the january transfer window they didn't have it back then but at the start of the year in january liverpool were top on the 19th they were overtaken by arsenal who went on to win the league that year Bastards, losing only one game a full decade before the invincibles um on new year's day paul gascoigne was sent off for spurs in their win at manchester united on the fifth Woken pulled off a massive shock in the FA Cup third round, beating West Bromwich Albion 4-2 at the, at the Hawthorns. Famously, postman Timber Zaglo scored a hat-trick. Ugh. Bloody love Timber, Zag- Timber Zaglo. There's a name from my youth, Sam. Yeah. He sounds like he would have been a member of Biohazard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on the 15th, Liverpool signed 17-year-old Jamie Redknapp from Bournemouth for £350,000. Went on to do all right for uh, for them as well, didn't we? When I lived in Bournemouth, um, uh, there was a like tourist information brochure, and there was things to do in Bournemouth, and one of them was just Harry Redknapp because he had <laughs> had a house in um, Sandbanks or whatever the really fucking posh bit of <laughs> Dorset. Yeah. But it was just things to do. Harry Redknapp. <laughs> just do Harry just Redknapp. Do him. Yeah, go on. Just drive around by and stop outside the training <laughs> yeah. grounds Oi. and football grounds and wind, wind your window down and say he's a terrific player and then drive yeah. off. Brilliant. Um, uh, I'm gonna, this is of very little interest to most people, I say, but my team, Pompey, hey. we started pretty well to start of 1991. 5-1 win at home to Hull on New Year's Day and a 5-0 thumping of non-league Barnet in the FA Cup third round in front of the BBC cameras. Guy Whittenham got a hat-trick. Uh, we then got smashed 4-1 by Oldham and then lost 3-2 to Port Vale before we recovered and we beat Bournemouth 5-1 in the FA Cup fourth round. Guy Whittenham again, four goals. That's seven FA Cup goals in two games for Guy Whittenham. What do you think about that? So I went to that game. I fucking love Guy Whittingham. What a lad. Oh. What an absolute legend. Yep. Corporal punishment. Yeah. Can't, can't move uh, forward, I tell you. Mm. I love Guy Whittingham, Lest- but I couldn't eat a whole one. <laughs> Leicester, uh, that season, they only stayed up by two points. They finished third bottom in uh, the same division as Pompey. Woo, Pathetic. Third bottom, they would have normally got relegated, but they didn't. Mm. Uh, they beat West Brom 2 on a New Year's Day, drew 1-0 with Port Vale, and they got beaten by West Ham and Blackburn. Nice. No shame in that, really. Classic. But they also got knocked out of the FA Cup by Millwall, so not a happy home life. Nah. Um, we had Millwall on the... in Leicester just a few weeks ago, actually. You did, yeah. yeah. Didn't see any away Batten, fans. Didn't you? Uh, I don't know. I only keep track of when they're playing, so we know how many people to have on beyond the bar. Fair. All right. Yeah. Well, they're doing very well at the moment. Yeah, I know. On January the nineteenth, the WWF title changed hands when the Ultimate Warrior to the Ultimate Warrior lost it to Sergeant Slaughter at the Royal Rumble. Oh. Uh, I remember this. He got smacked in the head by the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, and then Sergeant so Sergeant Slaughter. There's a lot of unnecessary bullshit around this time because obviously, like you've got the Gulf conflict. 
and Hulk Hogan wins the Royal Rumble and then waves his flag and then Sergeant Slaughter was sort of portrayed as an Iraqi sympathiser oh god and he, I, and he was going to yeah. burn the American flag but he didn't fucking stupid absolutely stu- like looking back now you go that's really stupid yeah. I remember they, it was all going to culminate in this match between Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter at Wrestlemania and they were going to have it in this big sports stadium but they didn't sell enough tickets so they had to kind of downgrade it to a 70,000 capacity arena uh, and not even giving anyone any refunds because I hadn't sold enough tickets. Like, I'll get 100,000 people. Oh, fuck, we've only sold 15,000 tickets. We'll have to downgrade it. And I remember Hulk Hogan ripping up the Iraqi flag at the end of it. And I was just like, that's too much, isn't it? That's mental. That's a bit too much. I prefer when wrestling uh, anyway. is pure and innocent when Jake the Snake rolls. Yeah, me back. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that snake wasn't developed. I don't think it had been. But this is why we're really here. On Christmas Eve, 1990... Iron Maiden released their single Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter from their No Prayer from the Dying album. Ended up going at number one on the UK singles chart on the 30th of December. Unable, unfortunately, to be able to knock Saviour's Day by Cliff Richard off the top of the charts. There Although is Bruce, Di- Bruce Dickinson Yeah, Bruce Dickinson had threatened that they were going to knock uh, Cliff's block Cliff off. off the top of the... Yeah. yeah. They're just going to go and fight him. And miraculously, when you get to like the 5th of January, it stays there. And it stays there for the first couple of weeks Mm. of 1991. And it is, you know, Iron Maiden's only ever UK number one single. Which, again, you know, when you think you got kind of Nirvana and the grunge movement and all the stuff that's about to happen mm. in kind of indie and you know the way that guitar music's going to go it is still absolutely mental to me to think that after all the shit they did in the 80s and how big they were it takes essentially a novelty song that was written by Bruce Dickinson for a fucking Freddy Krueger mu- movie as his solo thing for that band to get their only number one single it's fucking crazy it is bizarre but i suppose (laughs) i mean not that i'm going to say that iron maiden are hard or heavy but when you think about the stuff they were releasing in the 80s and the the rock and metal that would have been doing well in the charts i mean Something like Seventh Son would have been too esoteric. Something like Power Slave, I think, would have been too heavy, like Aces High or whatever, whichever single you want to go for. I mean, maybe two minutes to midnight. Um, but yeah, I guess they just didn't quite fit the bill for what people wanted in terms of their proper, proper, proper mainstream chart-bothering metal. I mean, obviously, as you say, they were playing massive, massive uh, venues all over the world. It is a shame that their only number one single is really quite shit. And I, I'm not mm. anti-Maiden at all. I fucking love a lot of Iron Maiden stuff. Haven't really cared for them for <laughs> the last few years and certainly not the last three releases. I haven't liked an mm. album since Matter of Life and Death in 2006, in full anyway. Um, but yeah, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter is bad. It is bad. And I think if it's going to be one of the final throws of uh, the old guard before Nirvana come in and grunge sort of takes it all over, I think, yeah, probably fair play. Get rid of that shit. It, it is it is pretty fucking mad mm. when, you know, you think... I mean, I'm just trying to find the stats to see how many times Maiden would have played this song. 
like I, I wonder how many times over the years I'm scrolling down now. Over those wasted years. <laughs> I'm scrolling down now to look at it. Bring your daughter to the slaughter has been played 220 times. Mm. And so that, the that last basically time... would have been probably the no prayer for the dying tour and then maybe like yeah. a couple of times where they do a deep cut. Probably with Blaze Bailey. Yeah. So they played it fifty five times in nineteen ninety before it got to number one, mm. obviously. Uh fifty times in nineteen ninety one when they were on that on whatever tour they were doing at that point. Mm. Forty four times in nineteen ninety three. So it kind of stayed in the set list, I guess, just prior to Bruce leaving. Yes, that would have been uh post Fear of the Dark. Because they would have done Dying yeah, so kind of, for Fear of the Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, that would have been the last tour with and Bruce. And so that yeah. the last tour with Bruce. Um Oh, so 44 times in 92. So 41 times in 92 and 44 times in 93. So basically you've got four years where it's in the set list mm. and it's when it's on that album and kind of the album after just before it goes to shit with Bruce. I mean, to be fair, as much as I'm slagging off Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, it's better than all bar two songs on Fear of the Dark, which I think is a, a shockingly poor album. Yeah, pretty shocking. Yeah. And then they bring it back in 2003 for 30 shows which seems to be a lot of shows in like it's right it's a european tour so they play in hartford connecticut and worcester centrum worcester metal mania festival i don't know what that is and then um lisbon grass pop metal meeting oslo helsinki stockholm roskilde paris I mean, did they even play Madrid? I mean, I don't even know if they played it on that tour in the United Kingdom. Well, uh, uh, all... oh, they played it download, download 2003. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. They played it. Yeah. Oh, fair. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. So that's the only UK show they would have done. So yeah, 30 times across 2003, which is, you know, that would be, they're still touring. That would have been, uh, uh, no, they, uh, that, uh, yeah, Dance that, of Death. No, it would have ju been just before Dance of Death because I think that came out late okay. in two thousand and three. I think. Yeah, that's what but I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, <laughs> like you know, when you consider, I mean, I'm going to pick any other kind of fairly not random, but like a fairly kind of random maiden. This is from Setlist FM as well, so this doesn't go back to forever, forever, forever ago. But when you consider that. I mean, they've played Hallowed Be Thy Name 1,900 times. I mean, pretty much um, every show they've done since 1983, they've played Hallowed Be Thy Name. Yeah, you would have thought so. Phantom of the Opera, they played 747 times. Really? Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Yeah, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, they've played 430 times. That, that is too much. Bit too that much, is too much. But, <laughs> but when you consider, like, yeah, you know, 200 and... 20 times i mean there are songs here that like children of the damn 448 times like there's loads of other songs that they played what other band i mean this actually to their credit i have to say what other band can you think of that could have a number one hit it be like their biggest chart success ever and then just go we aren't playing that and no one will and, and it's not even like People will just go, okay, cool, they're not playing it. Mm. Like, you you wouldn't even notice. You wouldn't even expect to hear it at this point. Like, you'd never expect them to bring this song out, ever. No, it'd be one of those where you're like, oh, shit, they're playing Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Oh, what a fun novelty. That's weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Um, 
Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, the one that immediately came to mind, because I know that they didn't want to play it for a very, very long time, but then... Uh, no, I suppose a, a fair amount of people who would go and see Faith No More don't necessarily need Epic to be in the set list. Mm-hmm. That'd be one that jumps to mind. I don't know if that's quite the same as Maiden. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, Nirvana resented playing Teen Spirit. They never yeah. didn't very often play I, it in full, but then I'd imagine there'd be a hell of a lot of people who would go who would have been pissed off that they weren't hearing it. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. Everyone, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> You would expect, I mean, God, if I saw Nirvana, I'd want them to play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. And I'd be, I mean, I'd be happy to see Nirvana under any circumstances. But like I saw the Eels and they didn't play Nova Came for the Soul mm. in the 90s. And I was like, well, that's your biggest hit, lads. Mm. That's like your only hit. And it's not in their top 10 most played Spotify uh, oh, well, songs No, either. of course it's not. No, no way. So it's nowhere near it, really. And you think... On No Prayer for the Dying, you know, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter has got 15 million plays, which is about 10 million more than Holy Smoke, which is the second biggest play. It's got 15,315,108 plays, right? And when you look at the fact that... How many's Mother Russia got? (laughs) (laughs) uh, The Troopers got 401,320,325. I mean, it absolutely dwarfs it mm. massively it is a really odd thing to get a number one single and it's such a big deal to get a number one single for two weeks here in the uk and it just be like it's kind of nothing to note in their career i actually think yeah. yeah i actually think it's quite cool i actually think i don't often give maiden like <laughs> that's pretty cool but i do think that is really really cool yeah. i think it's i think it's really good like good for them yeah that's great to just be like, yeah, fuck chart success. We're kind of almost, it's one of the few times where you can go, yeah, they're almost kind of above that mm. a little bit. Mm. Until they did yeah, Power Trip Festival last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking um, The week of the fifth, this is what it looked like on the singles chart. So number 12 was Unbelievable Way. I'm going to do top 12 because I wanted to get these two Don't in. Unbelievable Way EMF was number 12. Sure. Banger. Uh, No, and I'm quite looking forward to this chart rundown because I did have a little look through the charts for the rest of January and there's a lot of stuff I don't know so I feel there's ample opportunity for an episode of Steve Sings. (laughs) You must know Unbelievable by EMF. Sing it to me and we'll find out. You're unbelievable. Oh! (laughs) Great. Um, Number 11, Crazy by Seal. Yes, do know that that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to sing that. You I would, can, if you want. Give us a bar. Number 10, because I'm going to sing this okay. one. Number 10 is Pray by MC Hammer. Do you like that? No, you no that? I don't like it. No, but I do know it. Go on, sing it anyway. <laughs> okay. We got to pray, 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 pray. We have to pray just to make it today. That's basically it, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Mary Had a Little Boy by Snap. I don't remember. I remember a lot of Snap hits but i don't remember that one particularly i couldn't tell you could not tell you no. i like i know snap number case. that was number eight sorry it was number nine number eight was justify my love by madonna sure nice Perfect. yeah good good number seven was all together now by the farm ah yes i do know that one yeah which is a shame go on in. all together now all together, all together. All together. wake up it's a beautiful farm <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like that yeah. Um, it gets a bit 
it gets a bit fucking crazy down here. I think at that point you go, okay, that's all fairly mm. newish sort of stuff. Makes sense. Number six is You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers. Okay. Was now, it in a film have you got any track, maybe? No, it wasn't, mm. right? But but I tell you what was. Unchained Melody by the Righteous mm. Brothers obviously was in that scene in Ghost. Sure. So that got to number one before Robson and Jerome covered it. The, the superior version, obviously. And then they thought, well, fuck it. Let's just release another one of their songs. Mm. And that did pretty well as well. I don't think it got to number one, but well, it's at number six here. Yes. So yeah, the the Righteous Brothers had a little... It's weird the way that used to happen. Mm. But the Righteous Brothers got a little kind of vroomph from Ghost. Number five was the Grease Mega Mix. Lovely. Again, I have no idea what possessed the Grease Mega Mix to just suddenly be back in the charts would that have been around the time they were doing the stage version maybe would it have been starting up then like yeah. a broadway run of some sort obviously not broadway you know west end over here maybe yeah. maybe i don't know maybe and then number four was sadness part one by enigma now i've which never I don't remember at all i've never listened to this but i have listened to dave and chris over at pop collaborating listen listen to this for yeah. me uh yeah i'm never gonna listen to that fuck me awful i mean it's shit mm. I, I know that much. No, it wasn't um, all good. I don't see. remember the song. You no, lot not really. For this no. shit. <laughs> Number three was Saviour's Day by Cliff. Hey. There you go. You eat your words there now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it wasn't yeah. all good. Number, I didn't say it wasn't 99% no. brilliant. Yeah. Number two was Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Mm. I had that on seven inch single as well. And number one, I made Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. We've also got some a few other interesting ones. We've got Wicked Game by Chris Isaac, mm. was number 19. Mm. It's interesting. Yes. Got the Time by Anthrax was number 23. I saw that, yeah. How that very surprising. It, a good good week to be into metal yeah. in the UK singles chart, yeah, I guess. Got, well, um, one of the better Belladonna era albums there. Yeah. Actually, not albums, and just that song, really. Just that yeah. song. Yeah, it's a couple, it's a couple as well, isn't it? That good, really. No. Um, what One of the things that I think did sum up just how ridiculous charts can be sometimes was the Geordie Boys Gaza Rap by Paul Gascoigne. Now. Was at number 31. I think we've had the John Barnes rap, Steve. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I can't. I don't remember that. I Free remember Fog it. and the Time. I can't. Right, fine, move Free on, move on. Rap by Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> but I remember Fog and the Time, which was his first single. Right. I should have listened to this really, shouldn't I? Mm. But I sort of remember it coming out and it being fucking rubbish. But that was number 31. Mm. One place above Freedom 90 by George Michael. <laughs> oh, dear. If that doesn't sum up Britain, then I don't know what does. Oh, that is it, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, we do like some good things, but we prefer the worst things yeah. in the entire world dear a little bit me. more. Terrible. Um, a week later, it was still number one. Iron Maiden and the chart hadn't really changed that much only uh, CC Music Factory mm-hmm. gonna make you sweat uh, coming into the top 10 which I don't know if you know that song eh. I know it yeah good I know it I'm not gonna uh, sing it everybody dance now uh, is that, that what it is no well, that'd be everybody be dancing now. <laughs> yeah it would I th- I th- CC Music Factory okay I and it's not forever now. gonna make forever gonna make you sweat that's no, not it no. either I don't la, know. La, 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 la. I can't remember. Uh, a week later, it dropped down to number nine. Went from number one to number nine. Oh. Blew it. It's a shit business. And uh, we had, I've had time of my life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Waynes was just below it again. Mm. I don't know why that was in the chart. 
and fucking dirty dancing why is that suddenly just getting back in the chart ridiculous and a new entry for the klf at number five hey, with 3m eternal lovely starting their mad run at the charts they're about to have and enigma with, with top of the charts now i don't remember that happening at all no i mean obviously i don't remember it i i am aware of that fact thanks to pop collaborate and listen but yeah yeah shame that rubbish shame that in terms of the albums, this is the top 20 albums for the week that Maiden hit the top of the charts. Number 20 was only yesterday by The Carpenters. Mm. That'd be Fair. surely some sort of greatest hits thing, right? Uh, X by In Excess was number 19. That's got a few bangers on it, although it's hardly their best material, I would say. Box A, B or C. Good. C. Yeah, of course. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> number 18 is Please Hammer Don't Hurt Them by MC Hammer. <laughs> I think my... My friend Niall, I think, owns two LP copies of that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, can I have one? See if you can get know. me one. I'll get him on the blower. One. After, obviously. Won't ring him now. Yeah, no. good. Rhythm of Love by Kylie was number 17. That would be Kylie in a very, very poppy phase mm. still. Uh, Rhythm of the Saints by Paul Simon. Rhythm of Love and Rhythm of the Saints. Put them next to each other by Paul Simon was number 16. Mm. Very Best of the Bee Gees was number 15. I'd, uh, probably my favourite Bee Gees album. <laughs> I'd have to say the very best of the Bee Gees Choke by the Beautiful South was number 14 I don't know what's on that but I won't like it nope. the very best of the Righteous Brothers was number 13 there so there you there go they're go. getting, getting their stuff right Rocking All Over the Years by Status Quo is number 12 that's surely got to be that's got to be a best of hits, yeah, absolutely oh I think so this definitely was Shaking the Tree by Peter Gabriel was the kind of Peter Gabriel best of collection mm. I would imagine it's quite it's good because it's Peter Gabriel it is good the best of Peter yeah, Gabriel yeah, it's going to be good it is. Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1 by George Michael was number 10. Yes. Good. Should have been higher, but yeah. Vanilla Ice, To the Extreme by Vanilla Ice was number 9. Mm. How many copies of that has Niall got on vinyl? Um, I'm going to guess four. <laughs> four. Because yeah, it's that many places <laughs> higher than Please Hammer Don't Hurt Me. Mm. Here we go. From a Distance, The Event by Cliff Richard <laughs> was number 8. What? When are we going to do that? Oh, <laughs> next year <laughs> no this year this the year. end of this oh, year well what about the one he releases yeah. this year though i'll do this one as a bonus oh, as well uh soul provider by michael bolt was number seven i'm your baby tonight by whitney houston was number six mm -hmm. the three tenors in concert was number five the singles collection 84 to 90 by jimmy somerville was number wow. four okay. i'm not sure jimmy somerville's got enough hits to justify a greatest hits collection maybe he does i don't know maybe he does I, uh, I mean, probably more of a reflection on me than on Jimmy Somerville's uh, cultural footprint, but I'm not sure I could name many, if any, of his singles off the top of my head. Well, it would be Bronsky Beat and Communard stuff, surely. They're not his, though, are Because him... That, that doesn't count. Well, like, well, did they all get shared I think credit? It would have to mm. I think it would have to count. If you bought a Jimmy Somerville best of from 84 to 90 and it didn't have fucking Small Town Boy on it, you'd be like, what? <laughs> What the fuck? Anyway. 10.99 for that. I should have. <laughs> Shouldn't. Should be getting. And, uh, serious Hits Live by Phil Collins is number three. Right. The Very Best of Elton John is number two. That was a two disc thing. Mm. That was lovely. That would, that would big be a two big collection. Disc. Yeah. By that point. Oh, it was cool. good that. And another, like a lot of greatest hits. In fact, yeah, that's all what, of like, the top. It's 17 of the top 20 are greatest hits compilations. <laughs> and number one, The Immaculate Collection by Madonna. Which was number one for the first three weeks of 1991. Wow, there we go. Uh, also had a few other interesting releases. Um, Soulside Journey by Dark Throne came out on the 13th. I saw. That was a debut yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Step Into the Arena by Gangstar came out on the 15th. Mm. 1916 by Motorhead came out on the 21st. And Uncle Anesthesia by Screaming Trees came out on the 29th. Screaming Trees getting in early there yeah, as the, yeah, yeah. the first grunge band to release a grunge album in the big year for grunge. Well done. Bring on the grunge. Yeah. That's what I say. Bring on the grunge. grunge uh, a couple of other things. Phillips. <laughs> a couple of other things happened as well. Um, on the 15th, Richie Manick carved the words for real into his arm. Did you see this? I did. Are you familiar with you familiar with this story, presumably? I am familiar with the story. However, I do feel like it's ripe for a what we're all there about one day. I do think it is. Mm. I mean, you know, for those of you who know, you probably know, and it's a very, very famous thing, and it's the thing that turned Richie Edwards into, like, that cult, cult of Richie yeah. Manick thing. And within a couple of years, seeing people writing that on their arm... Mm in kind of homage to him doing that. When you look at it, have you have you seen the picture of, of him when he's done yes, that to his arm? Yes, It's genuinely still, genuinely shocking. It's really quite horrible. Like, yeah. absolutely. You know, and you think like, when I heard, oh, you know, he carved for real into his arm while he was talking to Steve Lamac. Yeah. I thought to myself like, oh, it'll be like, you know, you get, get in a compass when you're a kid yeah. and you like stab your classmate with a compass or scratch with a compass or something and you get a little scratch. That is full blown carving arm torn up, like yeah. might have fucking severed an artery, like mm. really, really legit shocking shit. Like it's it's fucking brutal that. But yeah, like we're going to uh, on the same day. Um, she, good job she didn't see this. The Queen attended the first concerts at the Symphony Hall in Birmingham to see the Birmingham Symphony Orchestra with the Manics rather than going. Yeah. With the Maddox and then hotfoot it to Norwich to watch <laughs> Richie Edwards carve his arm off. Uh, the next day, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted. I think it's quite interesting. Jimmy Reed, John Lee Hooker, Laverne Baker, The Birds, Wilson Pickett, Howlin' Wolf, The Impressions, and Ike and Tina Turner, Sam. Mm. Ike and Tina Turner. 1991, Ike and Tina Turner are going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was 2022 I think that Tina Turner... As a, or was it this year? I last think it might year? have been 23, wasn't it? Or it might, have been. Mad in thinking, it might yeah. have been. It's only been the last couple of years, whatever the year, it's only been the last couple of years that that has happened. And it seems absolutely fucking bananas to me. I didn't know this, that Ike and Tina Turner were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. in 1991. And it's taken Tina Turner as a solo artist. Tina Turner as a solo artist sold more records and had more hits than she did when she was Part with... Part of Ike and Tina, yes. Her. Yeah, which also has all that other nasty shit mm-hmm. attached mm-hmm. to it, right? I just... It, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a bunch of bellends. Yes. Absolute bunch of bellends. Mm. Um, on the 18th of January, three people lost their life at an ACDC concert in Salt Lake City, Utah, when audience members rushed the stage. Were you familiar with this happening um, um, before? Not the ACDC one. I mean, I'm aware of some of the infamous crushes, uh, you know, in, in concert history. But no, I can't say I'm aware of that ACDC one, to be honest. So they put on an ACDC concert for free unticketed in a sports stadium. I mean, that's a bad idea for a start. It's quite a bad idea. Yeah. I think that is quite a bad idea. And because it was standing room on the pitch and in America, they don't tend to do unticketed. I mean, no one tends to do unticketed, but like, they don't tend to do like most, if you see most American concerts in stadiums and arenas, they're usually seated. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah, even seated. seating area. Yeah. Uh, in the standing area, sorry. Yes. 
Yeah. And they didn't do that for this one. Mm. And it wasn't ticketed. So it was just literally like turn up to this 15,000 capacity stadium and ACDC are going to play. And by all accounts, ACDC come on and there's this mad rush from all the people trying to get to the front. And one person died on the site. Two people died in hospital later that day. And the band had to stop for 15 minutes because the crush was so massive and they were kind of informed that a lot of people have been injured and they played some people say they played 15 minutes some people say they played 45 minutes but they were told that they should probably do a set because if they didn't the people that were there might riot yes yes as we had sort of were going to see with metallica quite soon races, yeah. yeah with metallica goes over within a year and um yeah i don't think they as a band have ever really spoken too much about that. No. Apparently Malcolm Young apparently Malcolm Young refused to kind of speak about it. And they're also the way that the US media covered it, um, Brian Johnson said he was fucking livid because they said, Oh, they carried on playing while kids were dying mm. and they showed a picture of Brian Johnson on stage like smiling. And he was like, We were told to go on and play and we were told, you know, you've just got to play. And he said, we tried to kind of block everything out and just play. Mm. We were told it would be worse if we didn't. Yes. You know, it would be probably be, could be more dangerous if we didn't. So we went and we did, we tried, we just had to do the show, but we just did our kind of contractual amount and then we went off. And um, that was then turned into, oh, look at this band. They fucking... They relish you know, people they, dying. They, yeah, all sexists. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely ridiculous. Awful. Fucking awful. Should have got um, them on After Dark. Last, talk about that. Yes, that would have been better, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, on the 27th, Whitney Houston sung the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl, which becomes a hit single in its own right. And on the final day of January 1991, this would happen now, DJ Magazine is founded in London. Ah. They started a mag. You wouldn't get in 2024, oh, let's start a magazine. <laughs> like, no one's doing that anymore. Oh, what a lovely bygone era oh, that was. Just days. as dance music is bubbling under in the underground, you get. A magazine to kind of represent that i think that's cool that's really cool but um there you go that's basically what happened in um in january 1991 uh it's just sort of i think it's quite interesting because it's just before everything is about to kick off mm. and i think we said it a few times before in the 90s actually if you weren't really paying that much attention and you were just looking at the chart you maybe wouldn't have seen these what we consider to be these massive like huge seismic events in music like never mind happening and stuff didn't really happen so much here in the uk lots of things did happen and lots of cool stuff did get a lot of exposure and music definitely changed but i think all the things that you think about the 90s being by january 1991 this is it's sort of still the 80s really mm. it's still sort of the 80s i think i suppose the only hint in there as to what's coming is that screaming trees album being released yeah, kind which of doesn't get doesn't anywhere, anywhere in the charts at all. No. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty mental. And I think you know, Iron Maiden having a number one album uh, in 1991, yeah, a number one single, single sorry, yeah, in 1991, which never is, happened is, again. And obviously, as we know, they yeah. didn't fare particularly well for the rest of that decade. Yeah, fucking bonkers, mm. absolutely bonkers. So there you go. Um, well, that's basically what happened. My favourite bit was Pompey beating Bournemouth five one, oh. and Guy Whittingham getting five goal, four goals. We love, love you, that. Guy. We do. Oh, Whittingham, and then the rest. 
I doggy Kenzie. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, thanks very much for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate that. Do you tune into a podcast? Oh, yeah. Start Thank streaming you. it, I suppose. Start. Thanks very much for starting to stream the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for getting all the way down here. Thanks for appreciate getting your that. podcast apps of choice tuned to FM. Come on. Come on. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think Gaz will be back. We'll be doing those albums as a catch-up. You can go over to patreon.com forward slash truecoppop and hear me and Sam chatting about the chariot as well. If you would like to do that, we'd appreciate that. That'd be very nice of you. Uh, we'll see you soon, Sam. Got to do... Oh, yeah. we've got to do... Um, Get that out of the way. Yeah, we're going to be doing another True Crap Pop soon. Yeah. It's probably not going to be that much fun. Yeah. This is much more fun. Well, well... We'll probably be very, very mean about Russell Brand, so hopefully you can take yeah. some joy in that. What's mad is I don't think I'm going to be as mean about Russell Brand as I was about the Chainsmokers. I'm already a bit like, oh, that doesn't feel yeah. right. But, you know, here we are. Mm. Here we are. Well, there we were. Hopefully, right, hopefully everyone. St. Anger comes out of the hat. That'll be great fun. You'd love that, wouldn't It'll you? It'll be the last true crap pop. You bloody love that. <laughs> He's going to love that. All right. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.